0: On episode 6 of the Footy pod, it has gotten here very quickly and I'm very excited for how far we've come so far. If you've not already, please go and subscribe to our show, Uh, leave a review, 5 stars preferred, and comment on it, share it with your friends, help us get the word out because... You know, the more that we spread this message, the, 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 the better it will be for everyone. And, and we, would just, we just want to continue to send that positive energy out to the world. So today, um, I have a, a guest with us that I've developed sort of a friendly rivalry with over the past year or so. We've only known each other for a short time, but we've, you know, through our business relations and through our, our rivalries with our clubs... Have developed a pretty close bond, and um, you know he was one of the the first few on my list that I had to hit up originally to you know have these these discussions with. So I'm really excited to get started today. Um, Tyler Watterson, thank you for joining us, my man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Tyler is the owner and CEO founder of Lone Star Republic. Lone Star Republic play in the UPSL, and we've had some pretty good battles already. You know, so far in our short uh, times together. Yeah. So, uh, last season, we both came up in the UPSL. It was our first season. And uh, we went 1 and 2. Both got promoted. We're now in Division 2. And um, Tyler's team, actually, were put in a separate division than us. So, we are both in Division 2, but different conferences. So, unfortunately, we didn't have the opportunity to play against each other this season. But... We're both looking like, you know, pretty close to promotion here. Hopefully by the time this podcast actually drops, it'll be official. Yeah. So, you know, crossing my fingers, knock on wood, you know, don't want to jinx anything here, but uh, it's looking pretty likely. We just got to go out and finish the job. So Tyler, tell me about like, you know, your, your season this, thus far and how you kind of started LSR.
1: Yeah, um, season so far this fall uh, had a little bit of an up and down season that uh, finished or is finishing pretty strong for us. Um, We uh, we came out pretty hot, uh, won a few games to begin with, uh, had a little bit of a lull in the middle of the season where we kind of struggled with form. uh, we've lost a couple of games that we shouldn't have lost, uh, tied a couple of t- games that we shouldn't have tied.
2: Happens to uh, the best of us. It
1: does. It does. And, and uh, uh, But we managed to kind of persevere through that. And uh, as of our latest results, um, we are uh, top of the table um, for the first time all season. Um, there's a, another team in our division, Real Irving, that uh, started out really, really hot, and they've dropped a number of games recently. I think they've got four straight losses, including their last loss to us uh, on the 14th of December, and um, uh, that gave us the opportunity to come through, and And uh, now we're sitting at the top of the table with a couple of games left and, and uh, looking like with a couple of good results that will guarantee promotion for ourselves. Yeah. So, um, Yeah, it was uh, a little bit of an up-and-down season, but I think it's going
0: to end up in our favor, Um, and so we're looking forward to that. Love it, love it. Yeah, I'm definitely rooting for you guys. You know, we, uh, like we said before, you know, we've developed a nice, friendly rivalry between our clubs. Oh, yeah. We uh, schedule friendlies with our reserve teams quite often, and, you know, we try to fit in friendlies with our first teams as well when we can. Obviously, we're both in season right now, so it makes it a little bit difficult, but you know definitely looking forward to being back in the same division with you and kind of rekindling that flame a little bit cuz we definitely had something good going and actually officially we're 1-1 one, one, and 1 against each other. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. One win, one <laughs> loss, one draw. So, yeah, and uh looking forward to getting that going again yeah. and uh Um,
1: Both of us based in North Dallas, Richardson area and and, uh, a really good, really good setup that both clubs have so far. And and, uh, we've been really competitive up to this point. I think that's just going to continue for a long time.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, the reason we first connected with each other was just because of a a mutual respect for the way that we operate, you know, on the business side of things. So Tyler does have a background in soccer. It's not like he's just a business guy. But he does understand business, too, and that's where him and I connected. Um, you actually played soccer in college. I did,
1: yeah. Yeah, just briefly, I played for a little bit at a community college in Phoenix and then for a, a short semester at a Division II school in California. And then classic uh, American college soccer story, the uh, the financial aid situation at that college didn't quite work out, and uh, uh, so I had to leave and end my uh, glorious collegiate soccer career earlier than I expected. Yeah. So yeah, it's unfortunate, um, but uh, those are the things that happened So just continued, you know, playing as an adult and and just playing adult recreational soccer for a while and and uh, uh, and then stumbled into this. So where did you grow up originally? Uh, I'm from here, uh, local. Uh, I grew up in Garland and um, moved to Phoenix with my family for my dad's job when mm-hmm. I was 11, I think. Uh, and then uh, middle school and high school in Phoenix. Um, about half a college in Phoenix, like I said, at a community college in North Phoenix. Um, and then uh, the rest of college was at uh, a small school in California for a semester. and then I graduated from the University of Arizona in, uh, Went in back Tucson. Home yeah. to
0: graduate, Got gotcha.
1: Yeah, so um, when the, the financial aid situation fell through in California, Uh, uh, Moved back to Phoenix, then went straight down to Tucson in uh, southern Arizona. Got my degree from University of Arizona. uh, Moved back to Phoenix after that. Moved to Kansas City for a couple of years uh, for work and then um, came down here after that. And uh, um, I've been here for a little over four years now. Cool.
0: So, when you grew up here in Dallas, did you play organized soccer up to the point that you moved to Phoenix?
1: Yeah. So i I played at uh, I played for the Garland Soccer Association okay. um, at uh, what is that park out there in Garland called? Uh,
0: Winters? Uh, yeah, Winters. Yeah, Winters Park. Yes,
1: yeah. absolutely. Uh, and grew up in that neighborhood. Uh, Would have gone to Webb Middle School right across the street from there. Um, and then I played one year for Genesis Soccer Club. Okay. Um, which was a small uh, club back in, this would have been in 2000 and 2001. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't know how it is now, but back then you had to play, uh, uh, just rec until you were 10. And then once you were 10, you could jump into the club system. Um, and, uh, uh, so that's what I did my first year
0: being between 10 and 11 and then moved to Arizona that summer. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So then you went on, did you play at junior college? in junior college as well? Yeah, so uh played in uh, uh so after high school um you know And you I, played club in high school too? I did. Yeah, I played Phoenix. club in So what Phoenix. was what was like the club scene like there in Phoenix compared to so you played a year at club in Dallas? Yeah. Yeah. So then moving from Dallas where it's a very very competitive youth soccer market what was it like then to make that transition and continue playing competitively in Phoenix area?
1: It was a little bit different. Uh, Phoenix was still it was smaller than Dallas. It was a little bit more up and coming. The soccer community and the soccer scene and everything wasn't at the same level by any means that Dallas uh, was already at back then. Um, probably still not at that level now, although uh, Arizona soccer has made a lot of strides since, since I was playing there. Um, but, uh, it was just, it was kind of weak compared to yeah. what Dallas was. Um, you know, uh, <clears throat> I can't say a lot for myself, but I can go off the stories that my parents tell me about what it was like whenever we were kind of at that, at that point of, uh, moving out there and, uh, uh, soccer here was already very competitive. Um, I know that growing up and, uh, going through playing at a pretty high level of club in Phoenix and, uh, in Arizona in general, um, the Dallas Texans obviously were were in super club. they were super club in every age group of every national championship at the youth level. Yeah. Um, so I was well aware of who they were. Obviously knew who they were before I moved out there, um, and uh, just to put it into perspective, the, the Texans just m- destroyed every team that came out of Arizona at the national level. At least while I was there, and it's changed a little bit since then. Um, there's been some really successful youth teams out of Arizona since but well the
0: game has developed across the country yeah absolutely. over the last you know 15 20 yeah. 10 years even so yeah. you know that's that's only natural for sure but i would imagine back then it would have been a, a big change it was and there wasn't any really any collegiate soccer in
1: Arizona at the time, which is it helps to build out the club level when you know you have like a feeder system where you can go on and play at a higher level. Um, Texas is still somewhat limited. SMU I think might be one of maybe two division one programs in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's Houston Baptist. Yeah, as well. correct. But there's, there's a, a bigger group of division two schools, right. plenty of NAIA schools it's kind of hard to put it into perspective, but at the time in Arizona, there was one Division II school in Grand Canyon, and that was it. Uh-huh. For other than community college, that was it. There wasn't NAIA, there wasn't other D two, there was not a single D one. Um, and so, so, junior college was jun- junior college your was biggest was it. option. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's where I ended up. Uh, turned down some small scholarships, uh, you know, at smaller schools around the country, like in Kansas, North Carolina, California, some NAIA, some Division two uh just to save money and go to community college which is a pretty common path um and uh um it it you know it it, it is what it is that's pretty much what was available at the time coming out of Arizona to make
0: the most of it pretty much pretty much so then after you two, your two years, mm-hmm. you were uh, recruited to go play for – what school was it again? It
1: was Cal State East Bay up okay. uh,
0: near San Francisco. I
1: actually wasn't recruited. I, so I, you had to work <laughs> your
2: way in. Yeah. Hey, I, that's, that's natural. It is.
1: I had an injury in between my first and second year at the community college level that set me back um, and uh, a lower back injury that kept me out of my sophomore season. So I had to sit out a whole year. Uh, play my fifth semester at the community college and then I transferred as a walk-on gotcha. to Cal State East Bay during the spring. Um, and uh, so it was a very non-conventional path. Mm-hmm. Not really, you know, very few people go along that same route, but it, I had to do what I had to do, so. Well, it's
0: becoming more common, I think, because, you know, it, college coaches are only able to reach a certain number of people in their network. Like, yeah. it's just impossible for them to to see everyone. So players have to go and sell themselves like yeah. they have to make contact with coaches they have to go and present themselves to give themselves an opportunity like no one's gonna do it for you you gotta make it happen for yourself that's what I did you yeah. know what I mean it's it's you know it happens very often I think so although it is unconventional it's also becoming more conventional mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I pretty much reached out to the coach via email and just, uh, and he admitted to me he didn't have much in the way of scholarship money yeah. or anything like that. He had two freshman goalkeepers on the roster. I play in goal um, and uh, was transferring as a junior. Um, he was a goalkeeper trainer, so he specifically re- t- recruited those two goalkeepers. And so there's a lot of reasons why. Um, there was limited opportunity there, but at the same time, you know, in the, in the email recruiting game and stuff like that, you know, you only get a limited number of responses. And so I had to go after what was presented to me after putting in what effort I could. Right. Um, and they were the, you know, the only ones that even made an attempt or, or made an offer of any kind. And even if it was just a walk on, um, like I, you know, just, I knew I still wanted to play. I felt like I still had it in me. Um, and, uh, I felt a little hard done by, by my injury and the setbacks that I had, that I had, that I had experienced. And, and, um, so I felt like it was worth the risk to go out there and, and try and make a name and, and, um, you know, it was good while it lasted, uh, but it was just unfortunate the way that it ended and you know you just move on
0: so you played there for a year or two years i just
1: played there for one spring semester actually so i never even basically they uh they ran on a quarter system instead of a semester system and the financial aid like package that i was given uh i basically ran out of money and northern california is expensive and i was expecting a check that i didn't receive and uh and Uh all of a sudden i was like oh man change of plans (laughs) yeah there was there was no time to you know work and get a job with soccer and school and stuff like that and and um uh, so I just had to basically to make a quick decision to pack up and leave and and
0: then uh, you know again. then you went back home to University or Arizona state yeah, I went I
1: went back to Phoenix for the summer and then transferred and moved down to Tucson and transferred to University of Arizona, university of Arizona. okay yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and then you finished your degree there you stayed home for a little while after graduating
1: yeah just like uh, six months yeah. something
0: like that and then um, what did you study I, I have a degree in economics okay yeah. so yeah. were you trying to figure out something you wanted to do with that or uh, what no a, what was the plan the, after? The, there
1: wasn't a plan yeah. I, I had a I had an okay uh situation at a restaurant I was working at I didn't really have I didn't feel an overwhelming rush to like move in their career or anything like that um you know I was I was happy with kind of the the off schedule the flexibility that restaurants offer things like that so yeah. I did that for a while it paid off you know I got out of it what I could um and uh and that restaurant that I was working at in Tucson, I transferred up to Phoenix, and then that's what moved me out to Kansas City as a as a trainer, and and um, uh, moved out to a new restaurant when they opened it uh, in January of 2014, um, and uh, uh, moved out there, did that for a couple of years, um, and then and then once that was kind of running stale,
0: moved down to Dallas. So, what was the time frame from the point that you? Graduated college to moving to Dallas? Uh, to a little, let's see, it would have been a little over two years. Two little, years? So, like, I
1: graduated in May of 13, moved down to Dallas in August of 2015.
0: During those two years, you had basically nothing to do with soccer?
1: Uh, pretty much. I mean, even whenever I was down in Tucson, so for the, the, the four semesters, almost two years that I was down in Tucson, I played, like, one game of indoor really? soccer. Yeah, I got into weightlifting and... And uh, Tucson didn't have much in the way of adult soccer. So, um, you know, I I was working so much and going to school, I couldn't really afford to like, again, there's no college soccer in Arizona. There was that one program and uh, other than the community colleges. So like ASU, U of A, NAU, they had club teams, but you had to pay to play for those. Um, You had to pay for travel, things like that. And uh I just I I couldn't afford it, couldn't Mm -hmm. do that. Um, you know, also kinda felt, you know, like I needed a little bit of a break and had played since I was five, um, or four or something like that. So it was worth it for me to get away from it a little bit. Um and uh But then uh, you got that itch. Yeah, itch to come back, huh? Yeah, I got into got into weightlifting, you know, started doing that for a little while and then eventually just couldn't stay away from it any longer and got back into playing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So then that's kind of how your your story, your your presence in the Dallas soccer community began is cuz you were involved then with some people back in Arizona who were, you know, uh involved in a um uh, recreational league, right? Well, really, Small like that league. was that was separate. So uh, I, when I
1: moved to Kansas City, I lived there for, I think it was just under two years. Um, and about halfway through that, I found uh, an adult league uh-huh. in Kansas City. And it had been a couple of years, maybe three years since I had played. Whenever California ended was the last time I had played. Okay, uh, decided I wanted to get back into it, um, found an adult league in Kansas City, played one or two seasons there. And then I moved down to Dallas. And whenever I moved down to Dallas, I had found the... Uh, it's called the North Texas Premier Soccer Association mm-hmm. here in Dallas. It's a, a really big adult league uh, with a lot of different age groups, a lot of different divisions. I found them online and um, and s- submitted my name into their into their email list. And I had one team reach out to me. Oh, as uh, a free agent. As a free agent, okay. yeah. And uh, I had set up a tryout with that team before I would even moved down here. So I moved down here on like... It was August 1st that I moved down here in 2015. I think I tried out with them on, like, August 4th, um, and they were just, like, getting ready for their fall season, and uh, they were at the last-place team in the bottom division (laughs) of the open divisions of NTPSA. Making
0: moves, Tyler, making Uh, moves.
1: And uh, they had just changed their name to Lone Star Republic, and then they recruited me. So I like to think that those are two decisions they made that they'll never regret. Fantastic Um, decisions.
0: And I'm glad you just brought that up because (laughs) – I love my brand. I think that I've developed a really strong brand loyalty and just created a really great image. But I love your brand, man. Like, it is cool. Like, Lone Star Republic. It's got just the perfect name, first of all. It's got the perfect initials, LSR. Can't beat that. Lone Star Republic just gives you that real, like, cultured Texan feel. Yeah. And then just the logo, like the simplicity of it. Like, I really like it, and it's probably, if I were to ever pick a brand over mine, it would be yours. I I think
1: I can reciprocate those feelings. I've followed you since before we met each other, and I knew what uh, Footy Factory and FF Premier was before that. And uh, mostly from the youth stuff and following you online through that. Um, And uh, uh, I will, I'm very biased and like you said you yeah. know love your brand I love my brand I you know the Lone Star Republic name is the one thing that I can
0: say is not my own doing Hey was, but you was, took it and ran yeah, with it exactly. man and sometimes that that's that's more than half the battle yeah. you know what I mean yeah, yeah, you yeah. can have an idea but if you don't execute on it it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, exactly. So I I
1: appreciate that 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 sentiment. That's cool because it's you're it, welcome. It has been uh, it has been, it feels like a cool brand. I'm glad that uh, other people feel that way. That the name, I'm not gonna lie, was you know 75 of our motivation to mm-hmm. move forward with it because, um, it you know sometimes those things make
0: a big difference. It's yeah. unique. Like, you think of a, a a name for a soccer team, and you think of like you know Real Blank or. Blank FC or SC or, you know, Sporting, whatever. Like, it's they've all got the same names, but I've never heard of Republic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's dope. Yeah. I really... I mean, I'm just saying, like, good job. <laughs> I'm glad that we're here competing against each other because... Yeah. You know, it's 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 only going to be good for both of us.
1: Yeah. Well, and in terms of uniqueness, FF Premiere is up there too, which yeah. is one thing that always stood out to me. So it's, it's cool. At least we can have that you same... Gotta, uh, I
0: think that's the most important thing. You got to have something that's not... Like... You just look at it and you're like, I've seen that before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't have that.
1: Yeah, like MLS 1.0 and 2.0 stuff. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're MLS 4.0, right? Yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah they, they nah, I'm even... not trying to make that move. <laughs> I know you guys are making a push for that 2040 campaign. <laughs> Tell us some M- more about that. Hashtag
1: MLS to Dallas so, 2040. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a real thing. You guys think we're joking. But
1: yeah, yeah. We're trying to be the. Go f-
0: look them up at LSRR <laughs> Soccer. is on there. Yeah. We're
1: trying to be the 40th MLS team in the year 2040. We need Know that they're going to ex- continue to expand. Uh,
0: the United States is big enough. Can you enough, imagine that? There's An, money a league here. of forty teams. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, that's not far off from what the NFL is no. or the NBA. No. You know, they no, got no, no, thirty-two teams. Like it's yeah. pretty
1: close. And MLS already exists in smaller markets than what those franchi- those, those sports exist in. So True. it's it's it can only be bigger than them. And there's also
0: bigger followings in places that aren't MLS. Yeah. Too correct. Whereas like you know NBA or or NFL, you're not going to see, like, a a D-League team that gets more fans than an NBA team. Yeah. You know, but that exists in soccer, which is great, man. Yeah, yeah. I think you and I are making a a strong push for that, you know, to to build the more local, regional following of soccer, which is how it is across the world. The MLS fan representation is very... um, what's the right word what's the word i'm looking for just it's forced you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like you're you don't you don't like get to pick your team the the mls picks your team for you and they make the brand they 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 create the whole um message behind it and you just got to support it because you have no other choice that's true yeah whereas everywhere else in the world if you look at you know, England or, you know, Brazil or any places where there's some rich soccer culture, the teams that have risen to the top are not ones that have the best brand or the best logo or anything like that. It's just the ones that have really attached themselves to the community in the best and most, like, efficient way. Yeah. And and those are the clubs that are the biggest. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, if you want to... Uh, there's... I always... Point this out. There's 96 fully professional teams in England in that that tiny country. Yeah. In terms of like land size, um, and uh, with their own stadiums, uh, practice facilities, all that kind of stuff, and and uh, so if for whatever reason the team that's right down the street, you, you know, you're not a big fan of whatever it is that they do. Uh, you just go down the other street pick and one. there's one right there too. So right. they're going to be at
0: different levels sometimes, but not even necessarily. Like but the that. beauty of it is you can pick a team at any level and eventually they will play themselves to the level that yeah. they deserve. Yeah, correct. So, and that's not only on the field, but in the office as well. You know, the the club has got to be operated well. They've got to take care of their finances, make good do good business in the transfer market depending on the size of the club they have to be smart about how they buy players how they sell players but there's it's a game it's a game like you're actually competing not just on the field but in business as well and the mls is not like that it's they're not really competing on the field because there's no incentive to really win or lose yeah but they're also not competing in business because there's still no incentive to win or lose. Yeah. they, Those MLS clubs know that they're safe in the MLS. They're not going anywhere, and no one else is taking their spot. So they're content, and they're going to keep just doing the same thing yeah. and expecting people to eat it up, and then our national team performs on the same level, and it's just one big cycle of just... Averageness.
1: Well, in, in defense of our future league, I will say, because we will be there, you know, sooner rather than <laughs> later. Uh, you know, the, the, some of it is a matter of, you know, requiring a certain amount of security to get these like multi, multi, multi millionaires involved and, and ownership groups like what LAFC has and and things like that. And that can bring in the Carlos Velas and the Zlatan Ibrahimovic's that we saw recently. You know, those things only happen at least currently with that kind of structure being in place for as long as it's been in place. So, uh, I'm certainly a, a complainer myself and, and I, uh, I, I, see the issues with it. And I, of, of course, I love the the setups and stuff that they have around the world that, that we don't get to experience and we don't get to appreciate. Um, but there's also certain advantages to it that, um, that, uh, that those, those places like in England, they have that after a hundred plus years, Of history, whereas we got started in 1996.
0: Well, I understand that. Obviously, you know, they have developed that culture over a much longer period of time. Yeah. So it's hard to compare, but I think what you're getting at is if we had a bunch of,
1: if we had a league full of teams like Seattle and LA, you know, um, uh, what would be another, Kansas City. You know, people that are out there being proactive and being aggressive in the transfer market and being a, a solid brand, being tied in with the community, um, getting a good support, that'd be one thing. But unfortunately, those teams are also side by side with, you know, other teams in the league like Colorado, um, FC Dallas, and Frisco that just don't put in the effort or the money or the finances or the uh, or the creativity that, that the rest of them deserve. Well, um, and it kind of brings down the value and the overall appeal of everything I from think, our perspective.
0: Well, I think the reason for that is because it's not that they're not putting in the effort. You, you look at a club like FC Dallas, obviously they're putting in effort. You know, we can see that firsthand. Like, you know, they're trying to bring in the youth. Like, obviously they're getting youth at a certain level it's not like they're developing them from eight years old. You know, they're getting them at 14 or 16 years old, and they're bringing them up through their well-renowned academy, which is comprised of the top players in Texas that were picked whenever they were already fully developed at that level. So they are making an effort. They're trying to do the right thing in promoting youth up through their academy into their professional team. You can see that they want to try and play, you know, a nice brand of soccer just in terms of the product on the field. But they're limited in what they can do because of the control of the MLS, yeah. you know. So that's that's something that is, like, so going back to what I was going to say before is I understand that we don't have the, the same rich soccer culture because of the history behind it as you would see in other countries but it seems to me that the mls are trying to um create a a quick fix for that problem just to get to that level before it's really you know before it's even like before you can even look at it and say okay it makes sense that they're at that level now yeah you know what i mean yeah. like it just seems like they're trying to push it a little <clears throat> bit too hard um and try to, you know, lift all of the clubs up rather than really letting the ones that are operating the right way, doing the right thing, rise to the highest level that they're capable of achieving. And I think that if, you know, you took all those handcuffs away, then you would see clubs like FC Dallas eventually rise up to that level to where they can be consistently competitive. And... Because of their model and the and the way that they're trying to to you know promote their club through their youth academy, yeah, and then you know with clubs like Seattle and Atlanta who develop these massive like fan bases is great too. Um, but I think yeah, it's just you know we need to kind of just open up the market and let our American teams just either sink or swim in the world market. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really like the only way. I think you know, and that's that's obviously a dream and one that we're
1: probably not too far away from seeing. I think that the as But we, do
0: you think we're actually realistically realistically going to see that?
1: The issue that you have is that the the millionaires and the billionaires are will be less interested with an open
0: market. They they're right. so
1: protected in their investment right now.
0: And and there's, but at the same time, there's no lack of billionaires that are investing in foreign clubs.
1: No, there's not and and but there's still a certain amount of security that comes with. well, first of all, there's more security, but there's also more immediate return on investment with the foreign clubs. So uh, one example is uh, we're both fans of Mark Cuban. And Mark Cuban claims that at the moment MLS is a less than ideal investment because your value of your club far outweighs your profitability at, in the short term. Right. So like you go in and you just say, I want to buy
0: an MLS club. Well, Cause it costs 300 million. To yeah, get into I know. The league. I know. I know. But there might be certain
1: reasons for that. I know. And you're right. Cause that's what sh- the owner for Charlotte, the Carolina Panthers owner, that's what he paid. It's like $352 million is what he's investing that's like crazy. up front to buy this club. No, I mean, 100%, but the, the difference is, is there's so much more of a uh, cash flow and revenue generation model already established in these foreign leagues that if you go in as, as one of these millionaires or billionaires and you invest in one of those, you're going to get a faster return on your investment. Um, Mark Cuban says that MLS isn't an ideal investment at the moment, and that's his own opinion. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's not necessarily he's right or wrong. Although we both know he's typically right about everything, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know he makes that claim, and, and you, you have to think about it and say, well, he's. He's probably right, right? The the overall value of your club is huge, right? You can build a facility, put a lot of money into that. You can build out a structure, build a fan base, and have a certain amount of intrinsic value involved, a certain amount of investment value. But how much is that going to return in terms of cash flow every year? Um, as of now, MLS doesn't generate as much as, say, like a Tottenham or a Manchester United or a Manchester City. So if you were a millionaire going in and putting that same amount of money into one of those clubs – You would get a faster cash flow return on investment, Uh, but it would be for a smaller share of those clubs. Well,
0: a big reason. Well, that's one thing, but also like the money that you put in is going into like directly into ownership of the club. You're not paying for the club and then paying an expansion fee to get into the league and then paying like your regular operating expenses on top of that. Like, yeah, that's just a whole nother expense that you won't see with any other club in the world. Yeah. 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 I don't know it's it's a lot of stuff I don't know everything I just know what I know and I'm trying to learn more and I'm trying to make sure that I continue learning more so that I'm making the right decisions for myself my business my club because you know what we're trying to do with FF Premier is we want to take them to a fully professional level yeah that does not mean MLS yeah That means we pay our players. That means we are signing them to contracts. That means we are selling them to bigger professional teams. But what league we play in in 10 years or 15 years or, you know, that kind of thing, I don't know. You know, and it's not really that important, I don't think, at this time because the landscape is continually changing. It is. It is like it's just look at two years ago you know the league that we're playing in didn't exist yeah so it's you know you never know what's going to happen you just gotta focus on yourself focus on your own organization continue building it to the best of your abilities and making it um i guess immune to any kind of downfalls in the market
1: yeah yeah it's a precarious position for sure. Um, it, 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 is, uh, it doesn't come with the same stability that MLS does. Right. Uh, but there's, you know, yeah, there's definitely advantages to it. Yeah. And a lot more flexibility, um, a lot more control over how you operate, you know, exactly what you do, how you pay your players, how much you pay your players, all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah.
0: So I want to get back to some more of that later on. But let's go back to when you first, you know, got to Dallas, you joined LSR, mm-hmm. which previously existed, and then, like, the steps you took to get them to kind of where they are now.
1: Yeah, um, so, joined in fall of 2015, like I said, we were at the bottom division of NTPSA at the time, it was Division 5, however, there was two different Division 1s, so we could say we were in Division (laughs) 6, and uh, uh, we, um, you know, they had not won very many games they've been in existence for i don't know like a few years something tells me that they started as a club in like 2011 2012
0: time frame you have no idea at this time who was like connected to the like group that started. Oh god,
1: no, I mean now there's one other person. So as of now, the person who recruited me in twenty fifteen is the only person remaining in the club that was there when I started. Gotcha. Uh and um and they are they just had the one team they just had the one team. Um and uh uh they were they were previously called I think gunners, like Gunners FC or something, you know, obviously related to Arsenal. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, th- they existed as that for a while. Um, the story I've heard is that in the summer before I got there, uh, Scott, who is still with me and still helping operate and still plays for the club, uh, he, uh, uh he and the other main operator, David. Uh, we're deciding between Lone Star Republic and Lone Star Lumberjacks as the team name for this Division Five team in the NTPSA. Uh, I'm very grateful. At Sounds like they, they made the right choice. <laughs> I think they made the right choice. Uh, yeah, um, you know, Lone Star Lumberjacks would have been great. You know, been a solid name, uh, but uh, wouldn't have the same wouldn't have the same kick to it that no. Lone Star Republic has. So. Um, Uh, they decided on that. And, uh, yeah, like I said, previously named Gunners previously struggled to win anything, you know, previously struggled to show up as a team. Uh, and then I joined in the fall of 2015. I just kind of participated for the first season, but like slowly over that season, I was starting to become more vocal, uh, stepping up with suggestions with, you know, lineup suggestions, certain players over other players, things like that. And then, um, you know, the NCPSA was split into fall and spring seasons, so then we had like a winter break. Uh, we ran tryouts again in like January of let's say 2016, and uh, kind of over the course of time, I just took over more and more of the coaching, recruiting, and um, strategic operations, I guess mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, there was, uh, um, NCPSA would send out like Excel spreadsheets with a huge list of names and email addresses and phone numbers with information about the players that were in there as free agents. And I got really good at like, like narrowing down those spreadsheets into a certain list of players that I would extend invitations for tryouts to. Um, and then, uh, and then, so I just used that. That was pretty much it. It would be word of mouth from the players that were already on the team. And then me sending out email blasts to like, let's say 50 to 80 people at a time who I had picked out of a list of 500 names, um, that were, uh, looking to join a team. And I would go in and look at their stats, you know, their age, their, what they put in their description, how much they played in college, stuff like that. I would try to pretend like we were better than we were, Mm -hmm. uh, that we were more official than we were (laughs) at the time. And uh, managed to recruit some good players that way. Um, They would come out to our open practices, which typically consisted of 8 to 12 people. Really wasn't much. It would be at like a little park in Richardson. Didn't even have soccer goals attached to it. We would just show up on a patch of grass and start playing. Uh, Grassroots, baby. (laughs) Grassroots. That's exactly right. And uh, so over the course of four years, we moved up from Division 5 to Division 4 to Division 3. Um, and uh, you know you pretty much had to win the division to move up. And in TPSA, it wasn't like top three and bottom three or anything like that. Um, and uh, so we just kept moving up, kept moving up. I think we won the first the first season I was there. We won Division Five, very dramatic fashion, uh, three to two win in the championship. Thriller, um, thriller, absolute thriller. Uh, we beat a team that had beaten us twice during the regular season. Oh, so man. that was we were pumped about. Doesn't that. Doesn't get much better and, than that. No, it doesn't. And then uh, one division four, one division three, um, and then um, that was over the course of four years. And so almost exactly a year ago, as of now, December of 2019, uh, I got the leadership group together and promoted this idea of us expanding the club. So we were one team. Uh, We consisted of between 18 and 24 players, depending on the season, depending on the year. Uh, And uh, when we would try to have practices, we would show up with, like, between 6 and 12 people. It was really, really low-key. That was pretty much all you could expect out of this group of adults. Um, and so, you know, one of the main ideas was if we expand the club into multiple teams, we have a bigger pool of players to pull from. And if that same number of people show up, that ratio continues. Like if we get to multiple teams, suddenly we'll have practices of like 15 to 20 people. That was one of the foundational ideas of us expanding our club. And then the other idea was that we were really sick of NTPSA, the Sunday League. You experienced the exact same thing. Um, and, uh, and that was the motivation for, like, expanding into UPSL and growing, like, semi-pro. So that was almost exactly a year ago. December of 2018 is when we had that meeting and we agreed uh, to move forward with that. So we had started uh, recruiting um, more players and wanted to expand into a second NTPSA team as well as growing into this semi-pro league. Um, And so that's what we did last spring. Uh, We had two teams in NTPSA uh, and then the one UPSL team. Um, And then we, uh, we paid for the UPSL league on, I guess, December 31st, whenever the invoice was due for that. Um, and then a week later, uh, the most impactful moment of our club's history was whenever I sat down for breakfast with, uh, Zach Lloyd, Mm -hmm. our, our head coach, uh, former FC Dallas and U S national team player. Um, and, uh, he was, uh, um, open to the idea of, of coaching us. Um, it took one breakfast for me to convince him that it would be worth his time. I, I brought him some, some unique ideas and different things that we were trying to do, uh, and uh, he thought it was a good idea, and he agreed to sign on. And um, uh, so that created our third team where him and, uh, and Ying, our captain, and uh, the player who introduced me to Zach, um, they brought in this huge mass of players that they had been playing pickup with and playing some organized games, uh, that were way better than anyone that we had on our team. So originally it was supposed to be our top NTPSA team was going to move into UPSL. And a couple of weeks after I met Zach, we realized pretty quickly that their players were way better than our players, and so we just had to make room for them. Yeah. Uh, so I like to describe it as that episode of The Office, uh, if anyone's seen it, where the, uh, uh, they're playing music in the garage and uh, or in the warehouse uh, with uh, Robert California and his, his professional musicians just slowly filter into the garage and like replace Andy and, and, uh, um, and uh, Kevin and Daryl and they just like slowly like realize they're not good enough to keep playing with them so they just like filter into the, out, the outskirts and then they eventually just go back to their office That was pretty much us. So we, as our team, um, we were supposed to be moving as a group over to UPSL, and then we quickly realized that that wasn't going to happen. So we retreated back to NTPSA and played one more season of NTPSA as that team, let the UPSL team do their own thing. There's a few club legends that made the transition, Ryan Sheeler, uh, uh, challenge tall guy. Um, he's six foot seven. Who cares what Dirk his last Nowitzki. name is? Yeah, basically. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, our, our, our own Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, uh, Sigfrido, Esperanza, um, Garrett Clapper, uh, Gideon Angudi. some cl- absolute legends of the club that managed to break the, break the barrier into the UPSL team in that first season while also playing with us on our Sunday league. Um, and, uh, uh, so there was a few that were able to kind of make that balance, but everyone else just had to just, you know, accept their roles as Andy, Kevin, and Daryl and and move back to their offices. And, and ain't and, nothing wrong with that. There's man. nothing wrong with that. And they're still around. Everyone's still around. We've managed to, you know, keep everyone in, yeah. in, in, uh, in, in, in happy and still playing with us. Um, and uh, so we went through that last spring with three teams. Um, and uh, And then over the course of that... I got with um, a, a guy who worked at MoneyGram Soccer Complex um, and uh, a really nice set of fields here in Dallas um, and um, got him to start his own leagues at MoneyGram that we could then play in. Uh, and we were going to help be like the foundation of that. Like we basically guaranteed him we would play in We would put a team in every division, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 help with it. And, uh, and that was going to be our ticket out of NTPSA. Um, so uh, in Kansas City, I played in a league that was on Monday nights mm-hmm. instead of on Sundays. Uh, game started at 845. It was late, but it was worth it. You played under the lights. Um, it was easy to plan for the same game slot every single week. Uh, and so I motivated Ben to help start a weeknight league at MoneyGram, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and we did it on Thursdays, and it worked out great. So this fall, we moved both of our teams. We had two teams play in NTPSA in the spring. Uh, both won the championship, so our, our second team won their first uh, uh, league as a team that season. Uh, then we moved both teams over to the Thursday night DSA league at MoneyGram, uh, won both leagues on Thursday this season, uh, got promoted in UPSL in the spring. We're hopefully about to get promoted again this fall. Um, so, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a pretty awesome year. Um, and then so starting in this spring, we will have at least five, possibly six teams, including a women's team uh, that is, uh, is going to be keeping us going strong. So, fantastic yeah, man absolutely
0: still looking for that first UPSL trophy though.
1: <laughs> we're about to get it I know we're about to get it we're about to get it yeah you took the trophy from us last season but we're about to get one now mostly because you're not involved we're in different divisions so we can we there's two trophies to be
0: had this that's summer, right or, yeah. that's right yeah um I think it's interesting how you uh got Zach Lloyd because <laughs> you told me the story about it <clears throat> excuse me and it you know, first of all, to put everything into context, like, so that the listeners understand, your marketing is very, um, I don't know what the right word is for it. Unique. We'll say unique, <laughs> you know? Like, sometimes you don't know if y'all are joking. Sometimes y'all are, don't know if y'all are serious. You know, you just gotta, kind of got to take it for what it is. Yeah. Either laugh or don't. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, that's, it's, exactly that's right. on you. And so, um, I know that that was part of a big part of your pitch to him, and he was just like, oh, it sounds hilarious. Let me get involved. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how much he even cared about that. There's, okay. So, yeah, I, throughout the spring season, so all of last spring, I was hurt dealing with a foot uh-huh. injury. So it was both for better or for worse. I wasn't able to play, so I spent my entire <laughs> Half of a year focused on management and and operations. Didn't get to play a minute throughout the entire spring, which I didn't expect my foot injury to last that long. So um, it was heartbreaking to have done all of that work. And then the UPSL season rolls around where I'm thinking you this entire time I was going to be playing. Yeah. And I was still out. And I spent... Another three months, three months beyond when I thought I was going to be healthy, I was still technically hurt and unable to play. And I didn't even start playing again until July 1st um, after being hurt in like mid-November of the previous year. Hey, I know exactly uh, where you're coming
0: from. So So, uh,
1: that gave me a lot of, I I was, I I felt, it gave me a different perspective. Let's just say that. You had to
0: focus on other things. I had to
1: focus on other things. And I had to I'm a sarcastic, satirical type of person and it gave me it gave me kind of like creative freedom to like think of things in a different way. Sure. Uh, I've I've especially been able to pick that out now that I'm playing again, I don't have that same attitude that I had in the spring. Uh, because I'm more competitive and more focused on winning. I don't have that kind of neutral, like, this is just let's find what's funny in this. And you're a teammate and, as well. Exactly, and I'm a teammate. And so there's there's a lot of different aspects that have that have um, changed things uh, this fall. But back in the spring, you know, going back to Zach Lloyd, um, you know, I was writing, like, these, like, really satirical articles for our website that were supposed to be news, but they were just, like, they were pretty much just fake. I was making up a lot yeah. of the stuff that was in them. And, uh, you know, if anyone, you know, reads The Onion uh, on on the Internet. That's a good comparison. Yeah, it's a fake website. And that was an inspiration for a lot of it, just like coming up with crazy headlines and then finding the articles underneath. And um, uh, so I would send those, especially if they were about Zach or had Zach involved at all. I would send them to him and I would just be like, hey, do you approve of this? Like, are you cool with this? Can I say a little bit was of it was edgy. He didn't show up to one game because he had some (laughs) other responsibility. I don't even remember. So I wrote an article like pretending like he just disappeared and that I was worried that he had quit. So I wrote an article called Zach Lloyd, please text me back. And, uh, uh, and, and i like sent that to him and every single thing I was, it had him involved at all. I sent it to him thinking he might have something to say or that he would yeah. care.
0: You were just I, pushing it as yeah, far as it I was, would it, go. you're
1: right. I was pushing it as far as it would go, and I was trying to see, you know, what he would have tolerance for and, like, where I would, might cross the line yeah. for him. Being a former national team player right. and, like, MLS veteran, like, legitimate MLS veteran, MLS all-star. Like, I watched Zach his entire career, like, yeah. from day one. One of my favorite players to ever play in MLS. and And so that as another aspect of the club that's like not not as obvious is like how how weird it was to be trying to communicate and organize with this guy that you had like looked up to for so long and like and watched literally since he entered into the league and and i mean he's only freshly removed from mls i mean he was gone for six months not even a year whenever i met him so um Uh, and I would send him all these articles and like his responses were just like very dry, like just to get him to admit that he laughed at something was like pulling teeth. And it was (laughs) mostly just because it wasn't even anything like it was, it was a problem or it was difficult or anything. He just like was so open to the idea that he didn't care and he had all kinds of other stuff going on. And so it just like, wasn't really that much of a thing. Um, but, uh, um, it was, I just I had to run it by I felt like I had to run it by him. It turns out I didn't. It turns out yeah. I just get my creative freedom and he just doesn't
0: really cool. care all well, that much. So. it's better to find out that way. Exactly. Than the hard way. Exactly. You know yeah. I mean? yeah, I
1: wrote one article where I like questioned whether he was qualified to coach our yeah. club, like being a, a, <laughs> a licensed national coach and, and MLS veteran and all that stuff. Like we lost a game, so I was like questioning whether yeah. or not he was qualified as coach. Like does anybody know any other ex MLS veterans that are from the North <laughs> Dallas region who have a house here? that like, we're you know, hiring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If anyone knows anyone, let me know. <laughs> uh, cause we might need to fire Zach Lloyd. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it's worked out really nicely. And, and, um, so I don't know how much of it, I think most of it was just that he saw it as a platform for what he wanted to do, which is coach young adults, uh, mentor young adults, you know, help them through their, uh, you know, maybe provide a different path to professional, um, you know, kind of help them in their, Process, You know, we know the difficulties of the collegiate system. You know, we know that it's not the smoothest transition into higher level soccer um, and that there's probably a better way. And 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 Zach individually personally had a large group of those types of guys that were looking for a place to play. And I just happened to meet him right at that cornerstone of like where he was considering doing something like this, and I was able to go to him and be like, "Hey, I've got the infrastructure. Yeah. You, you just you do your thing. Like I'll 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 just provide you with whatever I can, and you get to focus on doing the things that you want to do." And uh, uh, so that's that's kind of where it's where it got started, and it's worked it out really nicely and worked yeah. out yeah.
0: perfectly. How yeah. you both had expected it to work out
1: exactly i mean you go into these things and you don't know what it is that they care about what they think is important you just kind of go and just spill your guts and just be like this is everything like i've got these ideas here's the sarcastic articles if anyone goes and checks us out we have airline written on the front of our jerseys which is absolutely a fake sponsor just because a lot of airline companies sponsor soccer teams um you know our practice jerseys are sponsored by multi-level marketing again (laughs) that's a fake sponsor um and uh, uh So, you know, I I went to him with all that stuff. I was just like, here's everything, whether it be the funny side of things, the more serious side of things. I just presented all of it. You know what he grabbed onto, I think was more along the lines of the serious side of things and just thought the funny side of things was something that wasn't going to get in his way. Like, sure. that was pretty much it. Um, I know that some of the funny stuff he's gotten a kick out of, and he's, like, told me that some of it's funny, but, like, how much of it he cares about, I don't think it's very much. Sure. <laughs> I, I think the players buy into it a good amount, which makes me happy, but I don't think Zach cares about yeah. all that
0: much. Yeah. Sounds like a good working relationship. Yeah, so so far, I think it has been. As yeah. long as, you know, there's that openness and professionalism, I mean, yeah. you can work through most Yeah. differences. And
1: I can be professional when I need to. Yeah,
0: So, yeah, Absolutely. That's, that's the only one when I need to, but I I can,
1: I can turn it on sometimes. Save it
0: for the special (laughs) occasion. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so now you're, you know, almost a full year in to your first season in UPSL. Yeah. You guys are sitting on a promotion place. So you would have gone from division three to division two to, to division one in a matter of two seasons or one full year. What's it like to, uh, have made that jump so quickly. Uh, I, honestly, it's it's a
1: little bit a little bit surreal. Um, I some of it isn't that surprising, knowing the talent that we have in the group, and um, it's one of those things where you would you would consider it like I guess you would consider it some form of failure if you didn't uh, accomplish that, but at the same time there's an expectation there's an ex- there's an expectation but there's also like the unknown which is which is to say like as much soccer as you and I have watched you see teams get demoted over there in England that mm-hmm. like you wonder how it is they finish bottom 3 right um, you see teams get knocked out of the Champions League at the group stage level that you just wonder like how did they you know after six games like not move forward.
0: But at that level the level is very very close. You know but what I, mean? I
1: think you can admit though that the UPSL despite the fact that it's a lower level despite the fact there is a decent amount of differences between the top and the bottom like some of those games where you expect like an easy win just don't turn out that way.
0: A lot can happen because there's so many variables that go into it. Yeah. Having your top 18 players available for the game. Yeah. You know, like having refs show up for the game. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) as crazy as it is to say that, (laughs) that's a real thing. Sometimes the refs don't show up. Yeah. You get one, you get three, maybe you get all four, maybe you get none at all. You never really know. Yeah. You know, there's just all kinds of stuff going on, and it definitely creates a much bigger like scale when you're measuring results of games absolutely
2: yeah i mean
0: you know we look at our results from last season we're beating teams 9-0 11-1 like that was a normal thing yeah and i know you guys had a couple of results like that too so it's like you know they're like going back to what you were saying before is what did you say before <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna cut this part out. I totally forgot. Gotcha. What was that last part That's good said? timing because we're right at okay, we're coming well, up we'll on that hour. It. Yeah. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So going back to what you were saying before is while, you know, anything can happen at a professional level, you know, especially in a sport like soccer, if you look at like football or even basketball, especially basketball, actually, you know, any team can beat any team or sorry, in football, majority of the time, the best team is going to win. Yeah. In basketball, any team can kind of beat any team. You could have a, you know, cold night. Another team could have a hot night and, you know, anything could happen. Soccer is kind of the same way. But at a higher level, it's much more likely to happen because the the gap is much smaller between those teams. But if you look at kind of the level that we're at and, you know, the standards that we hold our clubs to, there is a level of expectation, you know. So it, it, it makes sense for you to say that, you expected to get promoted. Yeah. It would be a disappointment not to get promoted. Yeah. Yeah. We felt the same way. Yeah. And, you know, if if we would have lost the league title and just gotten second place last year, we would have been disappointed. Yeah. If we end up not getting promoted or even not winning the league, it will be a disappointment this season. So, you know, there there is that part to it as yeah. well. And that's part of how you create the culture that you want to build for your club. From the bottom up yeah you know what I mean that's how you build that's how you bring in players that have that same ambition and that's how you continue to grow so that's completely natural absolutely yeah it it, uh
1: you have to have that kind of expectation and then you bring in some you know a presence like Zach Lloyd with the coaching experience and the playing experience that he has and um uh, and that just adds to that Mm -hmm. you know um, we had, we had a pretty solid foundation of winning a number of championships in NTPSA, a number of promotions, uh, you know, in the Sunday league, um, continuing that last spring and then continuing that this fall in our new league where we won both divisions again. And, um, uh, and, and, and that just moves up into the higher level team. Um, you know, the, the only, Difference there uh, is that it was comp- when we joined into this UPSL league, we had no idea what to expect. But at the same time, you have Zach, and you say, "Okay, like there's got to be something there, right?" I mean, not n- no other UPSL team, you know, Foro this fall now is the exception with Michelle as their head coach. But no other local UPSL team is sitting there with an ex professional, even an a licensed coach that doesn't have sure. uh, professional experience um and not only that but he got to pick his own players he brought in his own group it was it was a whole a whole thing that he brought in that uh we didn't have before and so uh it was a brand new experience for us so we really didn't know what to expect but you still do have those those expectations like without a doubt you still um uh if if anything that grows your expectations Mm -hmm. and and you expect more out of uh, what you're doing and what you're going to get out of it, um, because of his presence. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it it is it is both the fact that we had that expectation before. We were we were bitterly upset as a club when we would lose before any of this happened, like last fall. But when we were still one team in Division uh, three of the NTPSA, we would still be. I, I mean, I know I personally was upset when we lost um, at any level or for any reason, you know, and, uh, it was, it was an expectation we had set as a club that, that, you know, that was the expectation and that, that just like kind of carried over and and continued. And, and so even with a giant question mark, like what, what is UPSL? What's it going to be like? This is the third division of UPSL in a local league, you know, how many teams can they support? What are these bottom level teams going to be like and it, it turned out to be, you know, a good level of competition that kind of surprised us. But um, uh, without a doubt, there was still that, that uh, expectation to move on and, and to do bigger things. So, yeah, it certainly makes sense for us to, uh, you know, be sitting on the edge of another promotion and to be working into the top division, just like it makes sense for you um, to be in that pretty much exact same position right now with your club. Um, but, uh, it's still a little bit of a pleasant surprise, you know, knowing that there's so many variables and so many other things that could happen or, or, and can happen. Um, it's, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like we belong there, but more like we earned it. And Mm -hmm. so
0: that's, that's nice. Absolutely. And for those of you who don't know, this man is still holding it down between the sticks. Yeah. Starting goalkeeper, the number one for Lone Star Republic. How does it feel? to be back on the
1: pitch. Yeah, uh, it was a pretty awesome feeling getting back into it. Uh, I started playing again over the summer. Um, I actually had only played in goal a couple of times for our Sunday League team over the four years uh, before this got started. Uh, I played in goal in college um, and in club, but uh, took a break from it. And when I got back into it playing in that league in Kansas City, I you know, uh, if you are or were a goalkeeper, you know the feeling. You don't always tell people that you yep. play in goal because when, as soon as you let that out of the bag, you'll never get you on the field, never again. get on the field again. <laughs> and I was committed to playing on the field uh, in Kansas City and and um, uh, wanted to just try my hat at that again. Like I played in goal for club, but for my high school team, I played on the field. And then I decided I had to decide what I wanted to do in college. And I decided to play in goal in college. So it had been a while since I played on the field at all. And, uh, so whenever I got back into it, when I was living in Kansas city and joined a team again, I did not tell them at any point for any reason that I played in goal at any level. And I avoided many conversations. I pretended like I was one of those guys that refuses to play in goal, uh, because that position is as impossible soon as to see fill. You play. Exactly. You're never coming exactly. back out. Yeah. Can you catch a ball? Well then go in goal, yeah. right? Like, yeah, that's awesome. You're way better than any of us if you can just catch a soccer ball. So. <laughs> Uh, I, I avoided that at all costs, um, did not play in goal in Kansas City. Whenever I got to Dallas and joined this team, um, we had other people playing in goal. And I luckily had found a team, again, being at the bottom of the bottom division of NTPSA. Uh, we needed just as much help on the field as we yeah. needed in goal. <laughs> and uh, so I found more value, and, and the people I was working with found more value in me on the field. And so, and we always managed to like somewhat keep a a consistent goalkeeper somehow, some way. Uh, So I would fill in when necessary. There's a few games um, that I did play in over those four years. But then other than that, I didn't play in goal at all since I was 21. That was whenever, like freshly 21 is whenever I quit playing in goal. Uh, And then this summer, at the ripe age of 29, uh, is when I started playing in goal again for the first time since then. So it had been over eight years of of really not playing in goal hardly at all. Um, and uh, I had just gotten back off of my injury. Uh, I was not fit enough to play on the field at the time. I knew I wasn't good enough to play in this newly found UPSL team that we had started. But over the summer, uh, Zach and his wife, Casey, were running a... Um, a soccer camp uh, at a local high school around here, and there was a bunch of like college kids from all over uh, that that were based here, uh, that were just training there over the summer before they went back to their college teams in the fall. Uh, and they spent a lot of time shooting on goal, going at goal, playing small side games with full goals, but they didn't have any goalkeepers in the group. So uh, pretty quickly, Zach called me and was like, "Hey, do you know of any goalkeepers?" Uh, I still didn't consider myself <laughs> a goalkeeper since it had been still so long since I played. And uh, and I was still – actually, at that time, I was still technically hurt and hadn't allowed myself to start playing again. So I, uh, I reached out to the goalkeepers in our club, uh, and uh, uh, some of them started going out to that camp and helping them out, but that kind of trailed off a little bit, and they started to lose numbers. And one day I just woke up, and I was just like, I'm going to go – I'm going to go jump and goal. I'm just going to see what happens. And um, I went out there. We played a scrimmage. Uh, I happened to save, I don't even know, like three breakaways or something. Like I had this ridiculous performance. It was one of those ones that it's just like otherworldly where you're just like, I haven't played in eight years. I don't know how I did any of this. Uh, And showed like I knew what I was doing. Um, and, uh, to the point where Zach even made a comment about it afterward, which I had yet to ever play in front of Zach. So like having that be the first time I ever played in front of him and having him make a comment like directly to me afterward, like coming up to me to make that comment, this dude that I watched play for like 10 years professionally played for the national team. I was just like, (laughs) dude, what? And, uh, uh, so that's whenever it felt a little bit more real. And then I just kept going to that summer camp and, and played there all summer and, and, uh. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, I will, uh, I didn't really, you know, I get to make these decisions. Zach let me be the decision maker and the goalkeeper front, uh, way back in the spring. Cause he knew I used to play in goal. And, uh, um, so I, uh, but I did not make my own decision to put myself in goal, uh, this fall. Uh, but I, uh, you know, from a personal and a neutral perspective, I turned out to be the best option to play in goal this fall. And it's been, a pretty surreal feeling, um, after not playing for so long and then literally just like jumping in and playing for the best team that I've ever played for in my life. Uh, and, uh, that I happen to, you know, be heavily responsible for putting together, organizing, managing, doing everything, not just showing up to play. Um, it's like a, a a whole other series of, of wrinkles and and and
0: responsibilities, responsibilities
1: yeah. and and um, I don't know. It's it's uh, something that I just like truly, truly appreciate. It's,
0: it's oh, I totally understand where you're yeah. coming from. It's like you know, this is this has been my plan now. You know, since I graduated from school, yeah. You know, building Footy Factory. The plan was always to have a professional team at the top of our club and filling out the the space. From the bottom where we have our clinics, you know, our training programs, um, all the way up into that professional team through our academy. And so that was always 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line in my head. This happened a lot quicker than I expected. At 27 years old, I had the opportunity to be a part of my own professional team, which was amazing. And so I was in the same position as you. I didn't get to play you know, because I was injured and I tried to force myself to play and it just didn't work. And so, you know, even this season has been kind of the same thing. I've been in and out and, you know, so I have some some work to do on myself to get back to a playing condition. But it's allowed me to take some time to just focus on operating the business, which I know it's allowed you to do, too. But I'm glad you're back in the team now. I'm glad you (laughs) grabbed that starting spot because, I still haven't had the pleasure of scoring a free kick. Yeah, on no, you end. haven't, and I, I don't see that
1: coming anytime well, soon. Well, you know,
0: yeah, I no. would beg to differ because uh, <laughs> scored on your last goalkeeper, and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll have about ten years yeah. to 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 continue trying. Yeah, absolutely, so absolutely. Yeah. I'll get one eventually. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, I think we'll have a long time playing against
1: each other here. So yeah, maybe one, <laughs> maybe one at some point.
0: Hey, I'm not going to stop at one. Once I get one, I want more. But anyways, man, it has been great. We're wrapping up here. We're getting pretty close to the end. So I just want to, you know, kind of review here. I'm going to ask you a few questions that I ask all the guests that I have come on to the show. Um, So the first question that I had for you is kind of looking back on your story. You know, what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced on your journey? And what have you done to overcome them uh i think man well i I feel like
1: we've been pretty fortunate we we have a dedicated group of guys that are very interested and uh bought into what we're doing um you know i i can't really complain about that i know a lot of teams at our level struggle for just numbers which is something that we struggled with a year ago so i totally understand it Um, now, whenever we run pickup games, uh, and, you know, just have open practices amongst the whole club, we're getting, you know, between 20 and 30 people to show up, which is crazy numbers to run an open practice at eight 30 on a Saturday morning. Uh, or even on like a random Tuesday night, having that many people show up to just like an, the outfield of a baseball diamond that has lights just to play pickup. That's crazy numbers for like one organization playing under the same name. Um, so I, I I would say that the biggest challenge would probably be, um, I I mean, honestly, it's unfortunate, but it's the commitment with the group that I started this with originally, like the eight or nine guys that I like started this group with back a year ago. Uh, they've kind of waned off and has left a very small group of us trying to manage a large group of people. And, and, um, in a certain sense, it's been really enjoyable because I've, I've, taken on more of the day-to-day responsibilities and, and, and stuff like that. And I've gotten to know people a lot better because of that. And, and, um, but it's, it's still been tough to expect going into this, that you'll have this bigger group of like management and like people that are helping out with stuff like that. And then just not have that pan out. And then as you continue to grow, you know, and it, this is no different than any other startup company or small business that's starting on a low budget or with no money. That's just trying to get by on goodwill and merit. And, um, uh, you know, that, that would definitely be part of it. Um, and then, of course, there's the financial struggle, which Absolutely. is to say, like, we're, you know, a group of young adults that we don't have, you know, our financial situation, except for a very select few of us, is not... Uh, not great and so money talks money helps with everything you know being able to pay for things is ticket number one to getting fields to getting jerseys to getting anything uh, and so finding out how to do this on an extremely low budget with only a handful of people contributing you know bigger amounts of money is has been a little bit of a challenge so um, you know, it's, it's, uh, but then again, you treat it like a, a startup or a small business and then it looks no different than any of the other ones out there. So well,
0: it is a business it and is, yeah. I totally understand where you're coming from. Like a lot of the challenges that you faced, I've also faced. So we have that in common. We talk about it quite often. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just, you know, going back to your, your point on the turnover of people like that is you know, you, you, you mentioned it as a challenge, but really it could be a blessing, you know. And, and a lot of times it has to be viewed that way. Like That's true. I've done a lot by myself. Yeah. A lot. And I've had a lot of people work for me in the past and a lot of people that have, you know, not met the, the expectations or that have, you know, negatively affected our business in some way, shape or form. Um, and, and, and we're just not a right fit and they weeded themselves out. And so while you expected them to do a certain thing, they didn't meet that expectation. And while you don't have them anymore, a part of your organization, it's really an addition by subtraction because now you don't have to worry about keeping up with them all the time and like, you know, uh, begging them to do something that they're not going to do. Yeah. So I've had, you know, way more employees before. At a specific time right now, I have technically you know that are paid regular employees, technically three under me but in the past I've had you know six seven eight, and while that's awesome, you know you have a big group around you, what are they really offering yeah you? what are they really yeah. what benefit are they really providing so it's better, I think to have a small circle of people that you can really trust that are really about what you're trying to do. And I feel that I have that now, although I still need a lot more help. You know, I'm still doing way too much. I know that the people that I do have, I can trust. And I know that they're here for more than just the paychecks. They're They're genuinely looking for the long-term because they understand that the the long-term reward is going to outweigh the short-term gain. So... I totally understand where you're coming from, but you know, that's m- pretty much just a blessing in disguise when you look at it.
1: Yeah. And and that is a good way to look at it. I mean, uh, if you're able to, whether it be by force, by you actively deciding like this person doesn't fit, this person doesn't fit, this person
0: does fit. Eventually the right people work their way in and yeah. the wrong people work their way out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and sometimes it just happens naturally. Like yeah. you said, sometimes people just weed themselves out mm-hmm. and, uh, um, you know, the the ability to deal with that and to um, uh, and to still move forward while that is occurring. And for you and I, the people that I work with, the people that you work with to uh, take on that burden and to, you know, take over those people's responsibilities as they weed themselves out or as they're, you know, asked not to come back, whatever, however it happens. Um, is really like what we survive on Mm -hmm. and, and, um, but it's also been, you know, it can be frustrating, but it can also be a lot of fun. Uh, and to find out what you're good at, what you're not good at and being asked to do so many different things, um, is, uh, you know, a testament to you, uh, and yourself as a, as a, you know, as a business person, as a young adult, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things, a lot of introspection, uh, that has occurred, during this process that has
0: been um that has been good so it's all part of the process man of just continuing to be better yeah you know what i mean that's all what it's all about so you know with that in mind like you know you mentioned like the soccer club it, it is a business you know so when you look at business you look at business as a game you know whether talking about kind of uh competing you know wins and losses right but business can also v- be viewed as kind of more of a journey and it's not necessarily about competing against another man but it's just about competing against yourself. Yeah. So, you know, with that in mind, why do you think when people set out on journeys, do they fail? Uh man, I, I It's easy to
1: say like they they weren't prepared, but or that they um sometimes didn't think things through, but like I would look at what we're doing and say that we're not prepared, that we're, we haven't seen everything through and Mm -hmm. that it's just, you know, a matter of time on whether we are sink or sail. Like it just, I think a lot of it is random. There's so many variables involved. Um, uh, I think that obviously all of it always comes down to a little bit of dedication and, and perseverance. Um, that's a key word. I, I think that, yeah, it that it always has to come down to that. You can throw out all other variables if you can't persevere, because every single person, every single business is going to have their ups and downs, their ebbs and flows. Their their um, some are going to come across the opportunity to fail, and and the perseverance is what is going to push them through that. Um, and uh, there's been times where I've said things like, you know, like we are all dependent upon Zach, like Zach Lloyd being involved is what's going to continue pushing us forward. So it, whereas I'll meet with some of my partners and some of the guys like Scott or Preston that I work with, and they'll have a different attitude towards that. Mm. Um, and so that, what that shows me is that if anything were to happen with that relationship with Zach, if for any reason he was to get offered something else or like find a better opportunity, you keep moving, you forward. just keep moving forward you yep. just you just you just persevere. Yep.
2: Um
1: and I think that that uh you know there's there're certain things that can happen where perseverance won't won't help you, you know? And and that is a possibility, but I think those things are few and far between. Um I think it's uh um you know having a good mindset, getting up and working on it on a consistent basis, you know, whether it be daily or at least weekly, something along the lines of something that's consistent. Um, and then, and then just being able to not look too much into the, the lows and the failures and just like focus on what you think the highs and the successes are going to look like on the back end and just staying dedicated to that. Um, that's pretty much all you can ask of yourself. I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot else to it. Like, you know, more people need to look at things that way and, and we'll, we'll find more successes like as a whole.
0: Absolutely, yeah. man. I I mean, I completely agree and I'm glad you you said that. It was a great answer. Like it, it's 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 true like you're gonna fail. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone fails. Yeah. But how are you going to respond to yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. That's the key. Yeah. So with that then, what does success mean to you? What are you what are you striving for and why? I I think
1: that our um the the goal to to be the 40th MLS team in the year 2040 is, is kind of, um, it's both very sarcastic, you know, it comes along with the hashtag, hashtag MLS to Dallas 2040, because anytime MLS expands into a new city, they, um, they have those, their hashtags mm. and their whole marketing campaigns. And that's what we're trying to, to play off of. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know that MLS is in our future. You know, I like to think that it is. I like to think that we're a strong enough brand. And, like, in a perfect world, you rise to the top, right? So if MLS is still going to be the top in the year 2040, then that's where we're going to want to be. Whether we end up there or not is yet to be seen. You know, what success is is this organization, uh, as Lone Star Republic, continuing to grow year after year. Um, You know, we're... Hopefully going to be playing in the top division of UPSL in the spring. Uh, if we don't win the top division in the spring, then hopefully we win it in the fall. If we don't win it in the fall, we win it in the next spring. You just keep on um, going. You know, we're going to continue to play in the U.S. Open Cup every year, so success would be getting further. Into, we, we lost our very first ever U.S. Open Cup game this last fall, 2-1 to one at home to Innocentes out of Fort Worth. Um That was pretty heartbreaking. I was super hyped for that game. I've spent my life watching the U.S. Open Cup and, like, was at the U.S. Open Cup final when FC Dallas won it in 2016. Zach Lloyd was on that team, and uh, uh, that was awesome. I really enjoyed that, you know, and, and, and putting myself in that position and playing in that game and putting all the effort into it that went into it, the money that went into it. Uh, still feels worth it at this point, despite having it be a one-game loss yeah. and being knocked out of the tournament. But that gives us a foundation, and now we can look into it every single year as saying, okay, what are we going to do next year and the year after that? Um, and uh, uh, so there's success on the playing side of things, which is, is moving up into higher-level leagues, higher-level divisions. You know, if we move up further from UPSL and go into one of the – you know, quote-unquote higher-level leagues like NPSL or USL League One or something like that moving into the future, um, success would not only be moving into those leagues but also continuing to leave a trail behind us, which is to say that, like, we're not separating from where we're currently at. Mm-hmm. We're just moving our best players up as high as they can possibly go and then filling in the slots behind them and, and having as many teams through as many leagues as we can possibly have. Um And uh, uh, so our ability to just continue to move forward as a club and move higher and higher up the U.S. soccer pyramid while, you know, maintaining a presence in those lower levels and just continuing to grow as an adult club. Uh, There's a lot of different modes of success for us, you know, moving up into those, building a bigger player pool. Right now we're at 60 to 80 players. We're about to start a women's team. Pretty soon we'll be at 100 players total within the club. Um, and you know, once we get that to 125 to 100, to 200 to 250, that's success for us. Um, and then if at any point our brands you know, takes off and we become a little bit more established. We have fans behind us. We have people buying merchandise, you know, we have people talking about us, um, you know, getting highlights on the sports center, top 10, whenever we score uh, ridiculous goals against FF premier, you know, things like that, that um, that will, there's, there's just like a lot of things. And that's one of the things I love about this so much is that it's, it's um, there's so many things that we can point to aside from our bottom line as a business that uh that will that will mean success for us that adds so much more I guess like fun to the equation and enjoyment um that it's uh there's a lot of different things that we can point to um and uh and I think we've got a pretty large group of guys that are that are
0: behind that right now oh I mean I know you do because I've seen it so you know you're you're definitely heading in the right direction um you know, going back to even when you were a kid through your playing career um, into your professional career, who is kind of being your biggest inspiration, whether it was, you know, a, a teammate or a professional player, or a coach or, you know, what what impact did they have on you and what message did they leave with you? Yeah,
1: when I was 12 or 13, uh, just a couple years into living in Phoenix, um, a guy came from England uh, to be our um, club team's head coach. I was playing for a club called Alliance, uh, based in like the Glendale area of Phoenix, um, and his name was Dylan Kerr, and uh, he had played for Leeds United. Um, I think he may have played for Reading at one point, uh uh and then a couple of teams in like Scotland um and uh, he played in like the early 90s he was like I, if i'm not mistaken he played for Leeds in like 92 93 in like the first premier league season uh and uh came over here as a head coach uh just coaching youth i think he coached like maybe two teams for that club here in, in or over there in phoenix and uh and he just had a whole a whole other attitude towards the game right like every other coach I had was American they were dads you know up to that point point. and he not only like understood the game at another level than anyone else I'd come across but he also thought it was more fun and knew at the age group that we were at like how important it was to just enjoy the game mm-hmm. Um, more than anything else, uh, so he moved you know he he let players play in different positions he he practices were more enjoyable, just hanging out with him in general was more enjoyable. He treated the results of games like way less important than you know so many other factors. Um and uh uh so you know, and I'm still friends with him on Facebook and stuff like that. He's gone and traveled the world. He's coached in South Africa, in Nigeria, in back in England, in Thailand. Like he's gone and traveled the world coaching at different levels uh of professional since um uh uh since he left Arizona. Uh and uh so he's always remained as like a, a pretty big figure. Um as far as players go uh i would say like landon donovan yeah. is is just <laughs> what yeah. a
0: classic american uh, response yeah that was. i know i know but i would that, expect nothing really you know Taiwan, but you so. know that
1: that goal against algeria you know you Golly. just can't you can't take that away from him you know that was just Can not- i take <laughs>
0: that question back
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh it was uh, uh man yeah it was um Nah, that was a pretty legendary moment. It like, was. It know. was. That moment alone. That moment alone. Like it just if I could just go back to that time. That was one of the most exciting, like, single moments of my life. I'll never forget um, you know, on the floor in my friend's living room <laughs> after he scored that goal, just absolutely dumbfounded and blown away. It was it was amazing. Uh Clint Dempsey is up there. He's from Nacogdoches. Um Texas. yeah, he's uh, uh uh just a solid dude, amazing player. Um and uh um, and then from a local level, played for FC Dallas for so long, watched him for so long as, uh, I mean, Zach Lloyd, just, yeah. I mean, he, he um, embodies professionalism, just has that attitude, brings that every single day. You know, he is a, such a consistent person and, and I've just done nothing but grow my appreciation for him, um, you know, and his, and his approach since getting to know him more personally and stuff. I feel very fortunate to, uh, to have the relationship with him that I do now so
0: that's awesome um,
1: yeah those it sounds are, like the, the
0: relationship between you and your coach is very similar to me and mine you know what I mean like it's it's kind of an awkward relationship because you're his boss but then he's also your boss yeah. you play and yeah. it's the same thing for me you know yeah. so you yeah. got to find that balance but It sounds like, you know, you and I both found the right people that mesh with us specifically to find that balance. So that's good. Yeah. Um, Going back to whenever you first started LSR or even when you first came into the UPSL or when you first started playing college soccer, any time in your life where you started out a specific new path or journey, what's one piece of advice you would have given to yourself or what's something that you wish you would have known? Um. I will go
1: back to whenever I was playing. I would say, like, during my high school years, um, I, I didn't know how much really went into playing at a higher level. So in high school, I, you know, thought I was good enough to play Division One. I. I thought I was good enough, and, and that was the pinnacle. Like, that was, you know, it's it's crazy to think that, like, playing college is, like, the height of right. what you think you can do, right? Um, because now you look back on it from my perspective now, and I'm just like, honestly, like, who cares a little yeah. bit, right? Um, you know, and not to say that the Division One co- collegiate players aren't great players, but yeah. now we've got the development academy system. We have, we have a system in place that almost surpasses college, uh, and college is being forced to adapt to that. Rather than the other way around, whereas they're considering playing year round now and things like that to be able to compete against that rather than just continuing to play just one season and then limiting their play during the spring and like all the issues that existed and still exists with collegiate soccer mm-hmm. um, and and uh and now we've got a system finally that's in place that like kind of goes beyond that you know um but i would have I would have just told myself that you know whatever you think you're doing to to get better and to put yourself in that position it's like it's just not nearly enough yeah um and uh you know that I think that can be said I I I think I can say that about myself now as much as as much as we've done over the last year and as much as changed in this club in the four and a half years that I've been a part of it and all that I still at no point feel like I'm doing enough and I feel like that's um, a healthy perspective. Cause the reality is you can always do more. For sure. Um, and I just wish I would have had a little bit more of that attitude
0: back yeah. then. And now you're kind of speaking more from a business perspective Yeah. in terms of doing more and just like being more, mm-hmm. but that obviously, you know, you're referring to your time as a player when you were trying to play at a high level. And so, you know, from my perspective, obviously I work with a lot of youth at all ages, uh, and I work with a lot of, like, higher-level players, too, individually. And, you know, that's one thing that I – that they – you know, that's that's such an important thing for them to understand. Two team practices a week aren't going to cut it. No. <laughs> you know, like, I don't care who you are. Like, that that's not going to get you anywhere. And maybe you'll float by and, you know, y- you'll you'll continue to be known as a great player – but eventually people are gonna pass you up and whether that happens before you go to college or while you're in college or after you go to college, it's gonna happen at some point. Yeah. And so you gotta do more. You yeah. gotta do the individual training. You gotta, you know, make sure you're prepping your body correctly, you know, doing the right injury prevention type of work, stretching, strength building. You gotta be watching film, you gotta be, you know, studying the game. Like it's a lot more than just showing up for team practice twice a week. So that's kind of a way that, you know, it would apply to my life. And I know it applies differently to you now. But it's just something that I think that people that are listening should definitely, you know, take what you're saying and uh, throw into their own situation. So, you know, what you've talked about kind of what's next for LSR, you know, what you guys are looking to do in the short to medium to long term. But what's next for you? What 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 is, you know, Tyler Watterson's goals? Uh I mean, I in the long
1: term it's this. I mean, it's yeah. it's just continuing to work on this at whatever capacity I can take it to. Yeah. Um I I feel like I have, you know, a, a good foundation and a good idea of where we go next, not just in terms of the top level team, but like the club in general. Um, how we can continue to benefit and impact North Dallas or not even just North Dallas, but adult soccer and all of DFW, North Texas, all of Texas, um, whatever it may be. Um, uh, there's so much of it, uh, you know, uh, an amount that's just crazy. Like how much, how much soccer happens here mm-hmm. in Dallas. Um, and, uh, uh, so that's just, you know, one of the main motivating factors behind what we've done. And uh, uh, so, you know, I, I just want to I, I I like to have think I like to think I have positioned myself in a, you know, somewhat of a prominent role there. At least some point in the future, I can I can lay claim to being in that position and, and continuing to, to impact and, and benefit adult soccer around here. Um, and, uh, uh, so a lot of what's next for me, ideally is that, um, you know, I do have a day job and a career and I plan to grow that as well, but that's mm-hmm. not what we're here to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, but you know, along side by side with that, there's plenty of room to, to do this as well.
2: Right.
1: Uh, there has been up to this point, there will continue to be. Uh, and, I think uh, that's a
0: smart way to attack it. You know what I mean? With the position that you're in, like, it's not as if you're, it's different because you're building an adult club and not a youth club.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's
0: not like you can make it a full time job right now that there's not like the money is not there for that. Correct. With building an adult club you got to get creative with the way that you're gonna bring in revenue. Like you're not gonna bring it in through team fees. No. You can't charge adults to play. You yeah. know, if you do, it's a very very small amount. And it's not gonna cover much. But you know, you it's a sports franchise. It's it's a it's a club. So you got to bring in money in the same way that any other club would bring in money: merchandise, ticket sales, you know, sponsorships, like concessions, the the standard yeah. money making avenues. Yeah. And. At a lower league level, there's not going to be a lot of that, yeah. you know, so it is going to take time, but, um, you know, you're, you, all you can do is just keep on attacking it, and you have the right, I guess, um, you know, processes how you're doing that. And we,
1: we're even in a unique scenario where all of our sponsors up to this point are fake. You right. know? So like And we're not going to stop that. We don't have any intention on like yeah. selling the sponsorship on the front of our jersey. Um, but so you're not
0: going to turn down a, a major sponsorship. No,
1: no, no. And we'll just get creative. I mean, you, yeah. you hit the nail on the head when you said we have to get creative with how we bring in revenue. And, and uh, getting creative with how we bring in sponsorships is are gonna be the you know, the turning point and, yeah. and what really gets us over the hump. And and we'll get there eventually. Right now we don't have what we don't have our um operations and our, our media output up to where we want it to be exactly, but at some point we'll get there. Yeah. Um and uh uh you know and that's where we can have a little bit more of a serious conversation about about that type of thing. But um Uh, But, yeah, it it doesn't have the same um, revenue capabilities in terms like exactly what you said, the the league dues, the team fees, things Mm -hmm. like that. We just don't have access to. But that's something that we've committed to forego. I mean, we don't – if youth soccer comes like lands in our lap at some point in the future, we would love to to participate, take advantage of it. Um, Zach has kids. We have other people in our club that have kids. And to a certain extent, we would – you know we obviously want to be providing them the their place to An outlet, play, yeah exactly, but you know whether or not we like ever try to grow into a full blown youth club uh I just I don't really see that you yeah. know it, if it does happen, it will come up through their young kids I mean Zach's oldest is four, maybe five years old at the moment, I don't even think he's five, so um uh you know that 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 's what we 'll be starting with yeah. so we're nowhere near having a youth club, nor do we really want to i mean it it uh, uh it's it's just not what we're planning on doing, so we gotta we gotta find other
0: ways yeah absolutely um so as we wrap up here, what is one thing that you really want to leave the listeners with? what is one message you want them to take away from your story the journey you've you've Embarked on this far, um, man, that's a good question. I was
1: not prepared for this. Uh, <laughs> You're in the hot seat now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I I. Uh, I'm 29. I turned 29 at the beginning of this process. I, I'll turn 30 uh, in January, um, and uh, this is my first like my first outlet of creativity I've ever like really pushed and like put out there to the yeah. world in my life. And, and I guess I would just say that I wish I would have done something like that sooner. Yeah. So, uh, I love it. it, uh, uh, I don't know what it would have been. You know, I, I went through and, and tried to start multiple businesses before this in very small facets and, and, uh, never went at it with the, with the oomph and the, and the effort that I have gone at this with. Um, but um, it's been worth every second and and uh, um, all the struggles of communication and, and um, you know, any and all the financial struggles and everything that we've dealt with over the last year. I'm very fortunate to have a very, very good core group of people that I work with, uh, whether it be Zach and Ying on the playing side, of th- on, the, on the UPSL side of things, Scott and Preston on the business operations and the game day operations and stuff um you know there's uh uh people that have helped with the second team um we made a a joke uh uh referee video featuring Dr. Greg Holstein which is a play on Dr. Joe Macnick who's a who's a commentator on Fox Sports I don't know why Dr. Joe is a doctor I still that's why we don't know why Dr. Greg is a doctor so but he is uh, but he is somehow some way so um, you know, all those guys have played heavily into not only the ability to do this and, and making it, um, easier than it could be if it was just me, obviously, uh, but also the enjoyment of all of it. And so, um, I feel very lucky to have that group of people that have made this so enjoyable, not even to mention all of the players and all of the people that have shown so much appreciation for what we're doing, which makes it all worth it. But, um, yeah, I would just say, like, it's been worth every single second, and and I just uh, um, wish that it felt more normal, I guess. Like, had I done something sooner, then doing this now wouldn't feel so, like, kind of weird, and I'm still, like, figuring it out. Sure. I would have been a little bit more established in myself as a business operator and yeah. and director and, and leader and all well, that kind of stuff. you just have to
0: find this thing that you really want to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you found that and so you know i would say just to kind of paraphrase what you're saying like whatever it is even if you don't know what it is you exactly want to do just go try something you know what i mean go try it and put everything you have into it and keep doing that repeating that process until you find something that really fulfills you yeah and when you find that Double down on it and keep going, yeah, you absolutely. know what I mean, absolutely. so you know, like obviously, you put together a great team around you, and that speaks you know everything about you as a person as a as a as a leader and and it's gonna continue to be that way, so you know you're headed in the right direction, you just gotta keep on going, and um you know, I definitely appreciate you sitting down with us. Tonight, you know, I liked hearing what your story was really about and and just kind of, like, you know, having this insightful discussion like we always have. So I'm glad that we had a chance to really uh, put it on, you know, audio, make it official, yeah, and, um, you know, kind of spread your message out to even more people and make more, more people aware of LSR, what you're trying to do. So if you guys are looking for a, a high-level... Uh, competitive team, contact us, FF Premier. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Lone Star Republic, Tyler, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, Lone Star
1: Republic.com. um There's a, a message system on that. You can uh, you know slide into our DMs on Instagram at LSRsoccer. Uh, and then Tyler at LSRsoccer.com
0: is my email address if you want to reach out directly. Love it. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again. Appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll definitely uh, do it again sometime. And, yeah. you know, hopefully the next time we do this, we'll both be in Division One, and, and we'll be back, you know, competing against each other like we should. Yeah. All right, man. <laughs> That's all we have. Again, make sure that you go and subscribe. You go and leave us a review, five stars. Uh, leave a comment and share with all your friends. Help us get this message out. Thank you guys for listening again. Uh, talk to you next time and peace.